always, great job leading us into the presence of God through praise and worship. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter number 22. And we're going to look there this morning at the first 14 verses. Matthew chapter number 22, verses 1 through 14. For the last um, little bit, really for quite some time, we've been looking in the Word of God, and we're answering the question, what does Jesus do in the life of a believer? And we found out, according to the precious, powerful Word of God, that Jesus does a lot. I mean, He does a whole lot, and there's a lot more that He does that we haven't mentioned. But what we have mentioned is powerful. How many believe this morning that Jesus saves? Can you say amen to that? I'm thankful today that Jesus saves. I'm thankful that, uh, listen, when I had no purpose, I had no peace, I had no joy, I had no passion for the things of God, Jesus saved me. When I wasn't looking for him, he came looking for me. Can you say amen? And when he did, he changed my heart, he changed my life. I love that song we sang just a minute ago about him changing us. Folks, that's what happens when you get saved. Uh, there's repentance that takes place. You turn from the way you're going and you turn toward Christ. He changes your life through the, uh, the uh, supernatural work of salvation. So I'm thankful this morning Jesus saves. We also said Jesus sanctifies. How do you know God loves you? But he loves you too much to leave you like he found you. Listen, he begins the process of sanctification after salvation that saves you or that sanctifies you, cleans you up so that you might be set apart and used for the purposes of God. Jesus saves, he sanctifies, he enables us to serve. I am so thankful that God has enabled me by his power to be a part of what he's doing in his church. And he does that for every believer. How many of you know we are many members that make up one body? We're one body working together, listen to me now, to accomplish the purpose and goal of the head. Jesus is the head of the church. We being many members need to get on board. Listen, start working together and being what God wants us to be, what he saved us to be. He has enabled us by his power to serve. Jesus saves, sanctifies, he enables us to serve. Listen, we also said Jesus seals. How many of you are thankful that the same grace that has saved you is the same grace that keeps you saved? The Bible says that he is the good shepherd, that we as believers are in his hand, and no man can pluck us from the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He seals us as his people once we've truly been born again, once we've placed our faith in Christ. He does all of this stuff. Let me tell you something else Jesus does. He strengthens. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus strengthens his people by his power. Let me tell you why. Because from time to time in my life, I get weak, I get weary, I get worn out. I get depressed, I get discouraged. I wonder what in the world is going on. But let me tell you something. Jesus strengthens us by his power so that whatever we might face, when he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. And he does it through his strength, through his power. It's not by my might, not by my power, but by the, the strength that he gives me. And so we saw all these things that Jesus does in the life of a believer. And this morning, I want to move on from that. And I want to now talk about not as much what Jesus does in the life of a believer, but what has Jesus said to the believers. So we're going to begin this morning uh, looking at the parables that Jesus preached throughout the Gospels. I don't know how long we'll stay here, but we'll stay as long as the Lord leads us. This morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter number 22, verses 1 through 14. And I'm going to entitle this message today, An Invitation from a king. Look what it says in the first verse. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like 
unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are, kindled, are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. And they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. Then he says, verse number 7, But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye find, ask them to come to the marriage. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many will come, invite them to the marriage. Watch this. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. Do you know that we're all invited to the wedding? Bad and good. Let me tell you why I say this. I hear so many, I had so many people tell me, Brother Israel, listen, I know what you're saying. I'll be sharing the gospel with them, tell them about Jesus, tell them what God's done for me. I know what you're saying, but you don't know me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I am. Listen to me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I used to be. Praise God. And if God can save me by his grace, he can save you. I've been invited. You've been invited. And now all we must do is receive this invitation from the king. He goes on and says this, watch. I love this. Bad and good, all were invited. And the wedding was furnished with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he, was, and he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord Jesus for this amazing invitation. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that you've called the bad and the good. Lord, that we all are welcome um, to, to your wedding party. We're thankful for that. Lord, I'm asking now that you make this truth real to us. Lord, I can do nothing. I am nothing. And Lord, I'm asking you to move me out of the way and you use me today by your power to do your work. Fill me up and pour me out. These folks need not hear what I have to say. Lord, I'm praying this morning that you would open our understanding to see what your word says and Lord have your way and will in everything that happens in this service from every prayer that's prayed from every message that's preached from every song that's sang may you be honored and glorified for you alone are worthy in Jesus mighty name we do pray and for your sake amen now I got a long way to go and a short time to get there so if you'll listen fast I'll talk fast but I want to share with you this morning just a few points from this truth that Jesus preaches. The Bible says he spoke to them in parables. Now a parable is nothing more uh, than an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And Jesus, how I many you know they ain't never been a teacher like Jesus? 
ain't never been a preacher like Jesus. And so Jesus uses these earthly stories to make real to his listeners their heavenly meaning, their spiritual meaning. And man, he does it in a way like none other. The first thing that I want you to see here in verses 1 and 2 is the setting that we're invited to. Watch what it says. And Jesus answered and spake to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. So the setting that Jesus speaks of here in his earthly story is that of a wedding. Now there's two things that I want to say about a wedding. First of all, how many of you know a wedding is a joyful occasion? Now for most people, a wedding is a joyful occasion. I'll tell you, for me, my wedding was a very joyful occasion. I couldn't wait to get married. I couldn't believe she would have me, and I still can't believe she'll have me. And so I was tickled to death to marry my woman. Man, she loves Jesus and loves me, and she's just as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. So I was overjoyed that she would have me when I asked her to marry me. So when it came time to actually marry her, man, that was a joyful occasion on my part. But I came to find out it wasn't joyful for everybody. I was standing at the front of the church, kind of like this. I was standing way up here on the, uh, behind, the, uh, behind the pulpit, and, and I saw my wife and her father come walking down the aisle. And man, that was the most beautiful sight I had ever seen before or since when I saw her step out in the back of that church. I'm telling you, that woman was fine as she could be walking down the aisle to be my wife. I was overjoyed. I, I, it's almost like I couldn't contain the joy that I felt in my heart. A wedding is a joyful occasion, but let me say something. It wasn't joyful for everybody. Let me tell you why. I began looking at all her family. I looked at her mama. She was crying uncontrollably sitting up here in the front. I looked at her sister, who was one of her bridesmaids. She was standing beside her there just crying uncontrollably, standing up there by us. Her little brother was the ring bearer. He was walking up the aisle, and I didn't think that brother was going to make it up there. He was crying so hard. I mean sobbing, wiping snot, coming up the aisle. Steve was leading her up the aisle, bringing her up to get married, giving her away. And that brother was struggling to even make it past the back doors. I mean, he was just about to go down. I was thinking, man, am I that bad of a guy that everybody, <laughs> her whole family, mamas, daddies, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, friends, everybody, everybody on her side was crying. I looked at my side and they was all smiling just like I was. A wedding is a joyful occasion for most, and this wedding that's being described here is a very joyful occasion for all. Can you say amen? Because it's the wedding of the king. This is a king's invitation for you to be a part of it. Do you remember a few years ago how that uh, over in England, uh, who was the prince that got married? Was it Prince Harry? Is that, the, is that who it was? Whoever it was that got married, you know, that was such a big deal. It was two weeks long, and everybody that uh, was anybody as far as the social uh, ladder was concerned, being on the top of it anyway, that they were there at that wedding. I'm talking about Hollywood actors and, and uh, politicians and presidents, and, man, they made such a big to-do about that wedding. Yeah, folks, did you get your invitation? I didn't get mine either. Usually folks like us don't get invitations to stuff like that. Did that hurt your feelings? I'll be honest, it hurt mine just a little bit. I mean, because <laughs> <laughs> you saw all the stuff that was going on at that wedding. They had all the food you can eat. Man, they was enjoying themselves with parades going down the street. Everybody was happy. It was a joyful occasion. You could see it on the TV. Everybody was on TV talking about it. I didn't get my invitation, and that hurt my feelings a little bit, but let me tell you something. I have been invited, and you have been invited to a much more important wedding ceremony, and that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
You've all been invited. I've been invited. Everybody's been invited. Everybody who wants to come can come. The invitation is on the table. But you must RSVP. Amen. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm just saying, if God can speak and creation happen, if God can speak and the blue skies that you drove over here under this morning happened and that sun that was shining so brightly happened when God spoke, if he can do that just by his spoken word, imagine what the marriage supper of his son's going to be like. A wedding is a joyful occasion. This wedding will be joyful for all, but let me tell you something else. This wedding also speaks of the fullness of salvation that is available to all who receive Christ by grace through faith. So this is a joyful occasion, but it's also about justification. Amen. That's what he's talking about in this. We can be justified by getting right with the Son. Now listen to me. The first point that you need to see, that we all need to see, is the setting of, of, the, of the story, the setting of this earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Also, I want you to see the Son. Now how many of you know, listen to me very plainly, if you don't get the Son question figured out, you'll never get the sin question figured out. And if you don't get the sin question figured out, then you are going to spend an eternity in what the Bible calls a devil's hell. Amen. But you've got to get the sun question figured out. You've got to know the sun. You've got to believe the sun. Look there in verse 2 what the Bible says. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. So who's the sun representing here? The sun is representing none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I want you to know, I hear these people talk about all the time. They believe in God. God can be a lot of things for different people. The God they say many times is a lot of different things for different people. But when you say you believe in Jesus, that narrows things down a whole lot. Amen? And it should. Jesus said the way is narrow. Narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Y'all remember that? We're going to look at that one too before this is all over with. But I'm just saying, you've got to be, have a very narrow view if you are going to get right with the sun. There's not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. There's not many truths. There's one truth. There's only one way that you can receive eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, he didn't say I'm a way, a truth, or a life. Let me tell you why. If he would have said a way, a truth, or a life, that would open up doors for all kinds of different ways, truths, and, 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 and ways to receive eternal life. But he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. So regardless of popular opinion, or regardless of what Oprah Winfrey says, regardless of what you hear on the news, regardless of what people say all over the world, folks, I'm pretty dogmatic in saying Jesus is the way. Now, I am dogmatic in saying that because God's Word is dogmatic in saying that. Don't be afraid to stand on the Word of God and preach truth. You've got to get the sun question settled. If you don't get the sun question settled, you're never going to get the sin question settled. And if you don't get the sin question settled, well... You got no hope but a devil's hell. So I want you to know you've got to see the setting, but you've also got to see the sun. Let, take your Bibles, keep your place there in Matthew 22. Let me prove you some things according to the Word of God. John chapter number 3. We all know this verse. Verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, watch this, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world 
but that the world through him might be saved. You know that Jesus did not come to condemn you. Now he's the only one who could rightfully condemn you because he was perfect. He's the only one that can judge you and I. But he didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us, according to John 3, 17. He is the only begotten of the Father. Look at, follow your Bibles down to John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. So I want you to know, you've got to get this Son question settled. Who is Jesus to you? Do you know that he's the Son of God and God the Son who came to lay down his life for the payment for your sin? Have you trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sin and been born again? If not, you need to get that son question settled. If you don't get that son question settled, you're not going to have a place at the, at the wedding party. You can't experience the joy that God gives. I'll read to you one more scripture and we're going to move on. James chapter 2, watch this. This is why this is so important. Watch what the Bible says. You've got you to not only be right with the Father, you've got to be right with the Son. You get right with the Father by being right with the Son. And James makes this very clear in James chapter number 2, verse number 19. He says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. Now what's James saying? A lot of people say, well, I believe in God, preacher. I mean, hey, I hope I make it. Hope I, hope I get there. I believe in God, and I'm just going to go on that. Well, let, let me say something to you now. There's a difference in having a head knowledge of who God is and knowing God in a personal way. See, the Bible says that even the demons themselves, they believe there's a God. They have a head knowledge. But how many know demons ain't invited to the wedding party? They ain't going to be there. So what's James telling us? You've got to trust in the fact that the perfect, holy Son of God came and was born perfect, lived perfect, satisfied God's righteousness by His life, and then satisfied God's wrath against sin by His death. He paid the price for you so that you might go free. And the Bible says if you trust in Him by grace through faith, you can be saved. You've got to get the sun question settled. You need to see the setting. You need to see the sun. Let me give you another one. Folks, you've also got to see the servants. Go back to Matthew 22. Watch this. And again, he sent forth servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. Mine ox and my fatlings are killed, and things are ready. Come into the marriage. Now, now listen, who are the servants? Well, the servants are the soul winners. See, this is a parable about the kingdom of God. So the servants are inviting others to be in God's kingdom. Why? How? Because of the son. See, the whole marriage is for the son. Can you say amen? Now, the best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God itself. And in, John, and in Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 7, the Bible says that they, uh, it says, Let us rejoice for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. See, Revelation 19 is just commentary on Matthew 14. Through the revelation that was given to John the Apostle, we see the vision in Revelation 19 of the marriage that Jesus is inviting everybody to in Matthew 14, or to Matthew 22. I'm just saying... Folks, you need to understand, listen to me very carefully. We are the servants called to be soul winners, to share with everybody we can share with, they are invited. Let me tell you who's invited. 
Your friends are invited. Your family's invited. People at your workplace are invited. Um, folks, I don't care. You name it. They're invited. Black people's invited. White people's invited. English people's invited. Australian people's invited. African people's invited. Now, I mean, no, the only color that matters when it comes to the things of God is the color red. That's the color of the blood that was shed for me, you, and everybody else. So we all invited. Amen. And it's our job as the servants, as the soul winners, to go out and let them know what a joy that is. I don't know about you, but I, it fires me up to know that the God of heaven allows me to be a part of what he does. How do you know God does not need me? And God doesn't need you. God is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, how he wants. But he has chosen to use men like me and men and women like you to spread this gospel to the ends of the earth. And when we spread this gospel, eternal destinies can be changed by the power of God. What greater job can you think of? I heard a story one time of David Livingston. David Livingston, as many of you know, was a missionary to Africa and stayed there about 35 years. And he had been there so long that he knew all of the native languages that he was of the people he was working with. And a standard oil company came in the late 1800s down to Africa to drill oil. And once they got there, they sought out somebody that could be their liaison, their go-between between the oil company and the native people. And so they, they, they heard about David Liston who could speak English and could also speak uh, the native tongue of the people there. And so they went to him and they, they, they sent a man and said, you go tell him that we want to hire him just to be our interpreter. That's all we need. We just want permission from these peoples to drill oil on their land. We just need him to interpret and we'll pay him $15,000. Now at the turn of the century, in late 1800s, that's a lot of money. They came to David Livingston. The man goes out, talks to him, tells him what's going on. He says, I'm sorry, but I can't take the job. So the man leaves, comes back to Standard Oil. He has a meeting again. He says, look, I went, offered him the job, told him he'd pay him $15,000, won't take the job. And so he said, well, you go back. This time when you go back, I want you to offer him $30,000. So he goes back, offers him $30,000, same thing. David Lewis said, I can't do it. He said, I've, 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 I've turned it down. So he goes back to Standard Oil. He said, you mean to tell me he's not going to take $30,000? I said, that's what he said. So he said, go back. Send him back again, $50,000. David Lewis again turns the man down. The fourth time they send him back. He said, you go back and you tell him we'll give him $75,000 a year just to interpret this is at the turn of the century. They're first to make him a very wealthy man. And the guy goes back and tells David Livingston, who's the missionary to these peoples, he says, they're going to give you $75,000 just to interpret. That's it. Just make our needs and wants known to these people. That's all we want you to do. He said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. He said, you mean to tell me you're going to turn out $75,000? He said, listen to me, mister. It's not that your money's not big enough. It's that their job's too small. What did he mean by that? There's no bigger job or greater joy than sharing with others about Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because not only does that change the world we live in now, that changes eternity. And if you could hear the heartbeat of God right now, you know what it's beating? Souls, souls, souls souls. God loves people. 
And he's called us as his servants to go out and invite them to the marriage. See the setting, see the son, see the servants. Let me show you something else. Watch this. Also see the scoffers. Watch what the Bible tells us. Verse 5 says they made light of it. They went out and asked him to come. And they made light of it. Let me ask you something. Have you ever went out and asked somebody to, get, to be a part of the kingdom of God? You went out soul winning, sharing with people about Jesus, friends, family, whoever. When, when you get out there, does anybody ever make light of it? I don't know about you, but have as me all the time. It can be discouraging when that takes place. Matter of fact, in some cases, it's very discouraging. Listen to me. You are not in management. You're in sales. I am not in management. I'm in sales. Quit worrying about the outcome and do what you've been commanded to do. You just go and invite. That's all we're called to do. We're called to invite and sow seed. Amen. God plants the seed. Listen to me. He waters the seed. He gives the increase. All we're called to do is sow the seed and invite to the marriage. Are you getting me? So don't let that discourage you. But watch what these people did. First of all, they scoffed. That means they, they were indifferent to what the, the invitation that was brought to them. Then it, then it goes on and says this, watch. They made light of it, went their waste, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully, watch this now, and slew them. So first of all, they said, hey, we don't want no part of that. Maybe they laughed it off. But then it goes from there to, slew, to, to slaying the servants, to killing them. Do you see a progressive hardening of the heart? I'm going to tell you something. Anytime you hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you reject the truth that you hear, your heart becomes just a little bit harder. Maybe you're indifferent to it to start with. I don't want none of that church stuff. Man, I like the life I'm living. I like what I'm doing. I don't want to quit what I'm doing, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't need all that church stuff. I don't need all that Jesus stuff. You're indifferent to it. After a while, your heart becomes a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And a little bit harder. So that, listen, when at first that Holy Spirit of God that was convicting you so strongly, that you could hear so clearly, that tugging at your heart, that you felt and knew you needed to come to Christ, becomes weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker until your heart is so hard you don't even realize your need for a Savior. And the book of Hebrews says, you've got to be really careful about trampling underfoot the blood of the Son of God. That's what the indifferent people did. The scoffers. You're going to have some scoffers. Don't let that worry you. If you are a scoffer, heed my warning. Fear the Lord. You've been invited. God has purpose for you. Watch this. The remnant took his servants and treated them spitefully and slew them. Verse 7, when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. God himself brought judgment upon people who treated his people harshly. See, we know God's a God of love, don't we? Don't all of us know that? We want to hear that? Me too. I love to hear that God is a God of love. He is. He loves you. With an everlasting, unconditional love. He gave his son for you for crying out loud. That's how much he loves you. He put his son on the cross to hang naked because he loves you. Think about that just a moment, mothers, fathers. But not only is God a God of love, he's also a God of justice. 
And God must punish sin. Are you hearing me? Or He's not God. The good news is, He punished His Son on your behalf. Why? Because of your sin. But if you choose to reject the payment that's been made, then you're going to pay the price. God is a God of love, but He's also a just God. And if you choose to reject what Christ has done for you, the only hope you have is a devil's hell. The Bible says the place where fire is not quenched and the worm dies not. You don't want to go there. You don't have to go there. The Scripture says it was created for the devil and his angels. It's not created for you. Let me tell you what was created for you. A wedding supper. Now listen, what does the supper represent? The supper represents the joy of the Lord. The joy that comes in knowing Jesus and serving Jesus. Let me tell you what I believe is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Chocolate and biscuits. (laughs) Again, it probably says that over in Leviticus. We'll have to look it up, but chocolate and biscuits. And the good news is you'll be in your glorified body. So you can eat all you want and not get fat. There may be some Krispy Kremes, chocolate and biscuit, pepperoni pizza, all of that at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's a joyful occasion. The Bible says there'll be oxen and fatlings killed. What's that mean? This is a royal feast. Only the king could kill stuff like that and eat it. Everybody else working with it. (laughs) Amen. It's a rich feast. You've been invited to a feast. Listen to me, not a funeral. Let me tell you what, I, I, I get so sick of these stuffed shirt legalistic spiritually dead people that are in churches everywhere. No joy. Why does anybody want that? Why would that be appealing to a lost and dying world? That's not who Jesus was. That's not who He is. He saved us and has given us joy. Some of y'all look like you've been baptized in pickle juice and you're on your way to a funeral. You've been washed in the blood and you're on your way to a feast. There's joy in serving the Lord. This is not grievous, it's glorious. It's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do. You've been invited to a feast, to a supper. It's, it's the joy. Joy in spite of every circumstance. That's what Jesus gives. Let me read to you something I read this week. It's a, by a man named L.B. Bridger. Some of you are going to know it. It's an old hymn song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The sweetest name I know. He fills my every longing. He keeps me singing as I go. If y'all believe that, say it again. (laughs) That's what he does, don't he? I mean, you'll be singing when you ain't supposed to sing. He'll fill your longing when you don't even realize, listen, how your longing can be filled. That's what he's talking about. Let me tell you what's so important about that song. L.B. Bridges, whatever you say that name, About two months before he wrote that song, lost his wife and three children in a house fire. And after that took place, he writes, Jesus, 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 the sweetest name I know. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is not based upon your circumstances. Your circumstances change like the wind. Good things going to happen to you, bad things going to happen to you. I don't care who you are. 
just because you're a child of God don't mean bad things are going to happen to you just like everybody else because we're all in a fallen creation. You're going to get broke. You're going to get sick. You're going to have problems in your relationships. Christians get divorced. All that stuff happens to everybody. Are you getting me? The, the truth is this, though. In spite of all that stuff, you can still have joy because in spite of your circumstances changing, Jesus remains constant. That's where our joy is found. Let me give you one thing else and I'm done. Then, then it says in verse number 12, excuse me, verse number 11, And when the king came to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not had a wedding garment. He saith unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment and he was speaking. I want you to notice the speechless. Notice the supper. Notice the son. Notice the setting. Notice the servants. But you got to notice the speechless. Here's this guy that's pretending to be a part of the wedding party but he don't have a garment on. And in a, middle, uh, uh, in a wedding in the Middle East a, a garment was provided when you came to the wedding. Everybody had to change clothes and get in the right garment. These people that Jesus is speaking to, that would have made perfect sense to them. I know that's not how we do things, but that's how they did things and still do things in some cases. But when this brother came, listen, he didn't get his wedding garment. He just came on in and in his own stuff. He refused the garment that was given. And the Bible says, the king who was over the feast told the servants, to get him up and to throw him in the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. All because he had missed out on his garment. Now listen to me. When you place your faith in Christ, the Bible says that you are clothed in his righteousness. His righteousness is counted on your behalf just because you trusted in him for the forgiveness of sin. The righteousness being spoken of is the righteousness of Christ. And what this parable is saying, this earthly story with a heavenly meaning, if you've not trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, you've not put on his righteousness, you don't have your wedding garment on, and the king in that time will throw you into everlasting darkness, it says. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But that don't have to be the case. Amen? Amen? God's grace is available for you. This man was speechless. I wonder how many people is going to be speechless at the day of the Lord. How many people said, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all this stuff? And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That's the saddest words in the Bible. And people are going to stand there with their mouth open wondering what's going on. I did all this stuff. I tried so hard in my own power. God is not asking for what you've done, what you can do. Listen, God is telling you Jesus has done everything necessary. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, the supper is ready. Amen? The supper is ready. Everything that needs to be done has been done so that you can be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. All you got to do is receive your garment. Do you need the Lord today? Do you know the Lord? If not, today's the day of salvation. If you do know the Lord, are you serving? Are you soul winning? Are you going out and inviting in the highways and byways and telling them there's a marriage supper coming? Get ready. 
Are you walking in the joy of the Lord? Have you forfeited the joy that God gives to his people because of sin in your life? David prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Why did he pray that? Because of his sin, he had lost his joy. Serving God had become something he had to do instead of something he got to do. That's a big distinction. Whatever you need from the Lord this morning, he is ready, willing, and able to do what's necessary in your life. You need saving? Come say, brothers, you need to get saved. I'll show you what the Word of God says about trusting in Him as your personal Savior. If you're here today and you are a child of God and you've gotten away from Him, listen, today's the day to come back. Oh, listen to me, folks. It's a joy serving the Lord. Whatever you need. Y'all believe He's able. If y'all believe He's able, say amen. Brother, come on up. There was a man in Oslo, Norway. early 1900s by the name of Frederick Nansen. Frederick Nansen was an explorer in the Arctic. He leaves his wife and stays gone for over 30 months, almost three years. And in that day, they didn't have cell phones or pay phones or any way to really get in touch with anybody that was exploring the Arctic. So his wife got really afraid that something had happened to her husband. He went back now, so... She was worried, and she was praying, and she was looking out the window every day for his return. So she's sitting there one day in her house, and out on her window ledge, a dove lands, homing pigeon. And tied around that homing pigeon's leg was a message. And on that letter, all it said is, All is well, Frederick. And she was overjoyed because she knew that message from her husband, the one she loved, had been sent to her. Now, what would it have looked like if Frederick's wife would have seen the homing pigeon rapping at the window and she just kept on doing her housework and ignored the message that was sent? Wouldn't that have been sad? Do you know the Holy Spirit of God in the Bible is called God's dove? Do you know the Holy Spirit of God is sending a message to hearts and lives today? That the bridegroom loves the bride? Do you know that maybe, just maybe, this message is for you straight from God? Do not ignore the gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit, the dove of God. Because the Bible says His Holy Spirit don't always have to strive with man. Be mindful of that. Make your decision wisely this morning. Everybody stand, please.
is your invitation. This is actually an invitation from the king. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you this. I'm not going to miss an invitation for the king for the whole world. If the king's calling, you need to RSVP this morning and get ready for the wedding supper. Yes, yeah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you. tell you what I want to do this morning. It's my privilege to pray for you, and that's what I want to do. I'm just going to pray that God the Holy Spirit does the work in your heart and life that needs doing, and I'm going to pray that He don't give any of us who needs to make decisions a minute's rest before we make them. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for the great invitation that you've given us. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. Thank you for peace and purpose that I was missing without you. Thank you, Lord, for always doing for me what needs doing. Every good thing I've got came from you, and I praise you for it. Thank you for these people that are here. And God, I'm asking right now that you would do the work in their lives that they need. And God, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you don't give them a minute's rest until they make the decision they need to make for you, whatever that is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.